This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're listening to Beyond the Ballot Box with me, Dashran Johan. Recently, Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim announced that the government will be slashing constituency development funds from 3.8 million ringgit per constituency to 1.3 million ringgit. Anwar said that the move is meant to better control the country's finances and would be implemented in stages. But is this a good move? Joining me on the show to unpack this is Dr. Bridget Welch. She's an honorary research associate at the University of Nottingham Asia Research Institute, Malaysia. Welcome to the show, Bridget. How are you? I'm fine. It's great to be here. Great to see you. Great to have you on the show, Bridget. What are your overall thoughts on this move? We can all agree that fiscal prudence in some form is necessary, but the question is how it's done and the effects that it has. You know, let's look at the how. This mm -hmm. announcement was arbitrary, uh, non-consultative. Uh, it, it actually is targeting some people versus others. So there's a certain degree of inequality and unfairness in this process. And perhaps the most concerning for me is that there, you know, you make cuts without the replacement of funds to actually address the issue areas where funds are actually having the impact. Hmm. So what are the effects going to be? Well, I think, you know, uh, people don't recognize that these are not funds to MPs. These are funds to people in the constituencies of MPs. Right. And this is a very important difference. And so uh, civil society organizations, NGOs that you get access and apply for these funds will actually lose them. Yeah? Local schools who depend on this for some of their help in, uh, needed infrastructure and others that don't come from the government, especially smaller schools, uh, uh, will now lose those support. Communities and programs that are put in place, such as food banks, uh, which are really and food distribution mechanisms uh, are now going to have to be significantly scaled back. And I know of programs like this that if, that in particularly that this is where uh, they have breakfast and lunch, elderly people uh, uh, weekly in this process. Uh, and so what you're going to have is potential hunger for some of the most marginalized communities. Um, and the effects also are going to be political in that this is, uh, you know, the way the announcement took place is that it, it it's a kind of an old politics. You know, mm -hmm. we, oh, this people will get it with that people won't. Uh, and then the worst part about it for the government itself is that the, one of the big gripes is coming from the people in the government who, who are the MPs who feel that they're losing their standing. Right. Uh, just yesterday evening, I heard uh, spoke to a number of MPs who were continuing to talk about these issues, including in PKR. And that's the thing, right? You brought up something interesting that this move was made without consultation. What do you mean by this? Um, do you get the sense that um, the Prime Minister and his cabinet made this decision without consulting members of his own coalition to begin with? I'm not sure, even sure whether or not the cabinet had this decision. Right. I think that what is, uh, you know, as Minister of Finance, he's basically announcing a cut. And then it was followed mm. by comments made by uh, the Minister of, of the Economy, uh, Rafizi. Right. But I think that this involves MPs. It involves uh, Parliament uh, and how they and member MPs do their job. And what one would have expected that there would at least be greater conversations about that. And I think, to be fair, these conversations are now ongoing in terms of of the public responses to that. We've had media discussions, and I think uh, I think uh, people have been quietly letting know, people know their concerns about these cuts from a perspective of how it will impact. And I think this will continue to percolate, especially at the, at the local level, because uh, it's now communities that were relying on these funds that are, oh, wait a minute, we're not going to be able to get these funds anymore. There are 
is a lot of uncertainty and misunderstanding online about the nature of these funds. What is the purpose of constituency development funds? So essentially, they provide uh, three functions, huh? right. the first of which is that they provide service center support. Now, this is actually the least amount. Huh? And if we can see in the new allocation, 300,000 is being sent for service centers. Now, uh, you know, service centers provide uh, where people uh, in a cons- voters, citizens go to seek help if they need help with their uh, something and getting their children into school, uh, navigating government procedures, going for food distribution. So these things provide provide a an important uh, service in the community. Uh, basically, MPs uh, do constituency work, which is a liaison between citizens and, and the government. Uh, so it, rather than go to different government departments, they can help you figure out how to solve your problems. The second thing is, is that they provide a mechanism of local government funding. Uh, and to understand that this is uh, critical important because Malaysia is a place that has no elections at the local government level. Right. Uh, and, uh, and that uh, there are basically uh, funds that come down to local government are often um, usually at the federal level in some of the key areas. So there's a lack of funds at the at the local government level. And most importantly, those become highly uneven because of the way that development funding is, is, is structured. Development funding generally is project-based. And this is where these projects, uh, aka cronies and corruption, can actually, uh, you know, t- are taken uh, off the subcontracting process of how these things evolve. So these basically take funds from the federal level and they move them down to the local community. And what what are they spent on? They're spent on, um, you know, on infrastructure, uh, schools, uh, uh, social uh, social programs, right. and for social protection. So they provide local government funding. Uh, and number three, they also have there's a development component, right, which allows these areas to be uh, to to improve their standing. Uh, so it's not just about providing uh, filling gaps in the way spending is happening. So you can actually help to build things uh, in the local community and set your own priorities. Uh, so usually these are given to commu- do different uh, organizations as block grants for them to be able to make decisions. Uh, and so uh, we see this as an impact on terms of development so and social protections. Now, the funds are reduced, that much we know, but will they be remaining equal um, across constituencies? Uh, will it be 1.3 million ringgit for each constituency? And I'm asking this because this has been a long-standing sort of problem within Malaysian politics, isn't it? Where the incumbent um, and their parties and their constituencies get more than the opposition side. This is not clear. I mean, mm. I think that uh, uh, the way the announcement took place is that it, it doesn't specify clearly what is happening for, uh, uh, especially for opposition. Right. Uh, and, you know, and first of all, um, you know, what we see is that there has been this gain huh, over time to through these conversations, first at the state government, such as places like uh, Perak and Johor, and then subsequently uh, at the national level through the MOU with Faris Sabri, uh, that this is where um, uh, these funds were increased uh, in part because there's a recognition that these funds are, are necessary and serve a function, but they also were equalized. So, you know, this was a quite a pivotal time where 
every voter, um, in, in every constituency was given money, okay, uh, and, and, and from a perspective or access to the same type of funding. Right. Now, of course, there's problems with the way that the electoral system works and Meloportium and others. That means that it's not always even uh, from the perspective of constituency to constituency. But what happened is that you had this sense of equalization. So instead, so that that citizens were no longer being held hostage to, uh, you know, being in one, supporting one party or one coalition over the other. Now, what is seems to happening now is that this is a, there's a return to kind of threatening the opposition. We won't give you your funds uh, in this area. Um, and I think my sense is that this is probably will will go out in the wash and it will actually resolve itself. But the fact that there was even these conversations or implications really is an indication of old politics. People in power think that government, the, that they're entitled to spend the money for them for certain groups in a particular way and exclude others this right. uh, and engage in exclusion for voting in a different way. This is a very different, difficult practice, especially in a first post of the post system. System where you know 48% would vote one way and 52% others and so the so you're going to you're going to punish some of your own supporters when you do this the government is going to is slashing funds by essentially 60% that's a huge number um who will be impacted the most by the slashing of these funds well, I think the the communities that will be most impacted mm-hmm. will be the marginalized communities, right. uh, people who rely on food distribution uh, programs for um, that help the, the MPs provide to help local poor communities. And I think uh, that um, uh, you know uh, this is uh, this is really uh, of concern because it speaks to how. Other problems, policies, and social protections need to be implemented better, and need and need also programs that are actually seen to be more effective. You know, the, I remain of the view that this is an opportunity to look more more holistically at social protections, uh, and 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 I think one of the things that's very important about this is about phasing this out, right? Timing in this process. If you're going to phase it out, then have other things that are going to come in place uh, in this process. Uh, so I think that the marginalized communities, civil society groups, uh, uh, schools, um, uh, these are going to be some of the ones that are going to be most impacted by this. But also, if they choose to to not give it to the opposition, what we're going to see is that it is going to be largely rural communities, many, many rural communities. Now, there are also, also urban poor mm-hmm. in, in that areas, but many rural communities. And equally important um, uh, will be some of the most poorest districts. A good example of that is a place like Cote Balut, right, where, uh, you know, uh, 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 the MP is part of uh, the government, right. uh, but her district is one of the poorest in the country. And because she's not in the government, she's not getting uh, she's she's being, just, you know, uh, reduced uh, constituency funds at a much higher level. And keep in mind, those in government generally use their position in government to help their constituencies to a certain degree. Not, no, not all, because not all MPs are, have those sets of funds and others. But generally, there is this bonus anyway of being in government for their communities. Uh, so uh, it, what we're seeing is a kind of a widening of that gap by those who are favoured by Anwar versus those that are not. On the show with me today is Dr. Bridget Welch, Honorary Research Associate at the University of Nottingham Asia Research Institute, Malaysia. After the break, we talk patronate politics and cash handouts. Keep it here on Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back to Beyond the Ballot Box. I'm Darshan Johan, and on the show with me today is Dr. Bridget Welch, Honorary Research Associate at the University of Nottingham Asia Research Institute, Malaysia. And we're talking about the Anwar-led administration's decision to slash constituency development funds by 60%. So, Bridget, if you're an upper-middle-class um, person living in a relatively financially secure life, chances are you may not have, you may not have engaged with an MP directly about uh, development funds and things like that. But earlier you brought up um, the urban poor, the rural poor, the poorest districts in the, in the nation. Talk to me about how this con- constituency development funds improves lives at a local level. It's not just about the poor. It, it, it's about everybody, right? right? So, you know, you yourself may not have gotten some funds. So you say, okay, just cut it, right? But it's about the society that you're living in. Mm-hmm. So you pass by your local school who may have gotten their own constituency funds. You may be alumni of that school, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually, the street that you were on, right, may have had its road repaired. Uh, and you drive over that every day as a result of the constituency allocation that happens as opposed to waiting for the department uh, to deal with the issues of potholes, right? Uh, you you can also see that, you know, the person you are standing next to in line at the post office or going into into the bank uh, or even uh, at the mamak stall where you're eating. Right. That person who's serving you, they may have gone to the food bank. Mm-hmm. Right. And that and especially, at, you know, especially elderly folks who are who are relying some on, on some of these particular areas. What we don't see directly doesn't mean that it doesn't impact you. Right. All right. Well, it's about the affecting the, the quality of life of everyone around you, especially building in social protections and helping to promote social cohesion. You know, there are too many people on the street mm-hmm. uh, in that context, uh, especially with the problems of drug drug abuse and others that exist, particularly in some pockets of Malaysia. All right. You know, these are these programs help to create these this important uh, social safety net. Um, and, you know, yes, I recognize that um, there are serious problems with the constituency funds. And, and my argument in, in the piece that I wrote for Between the Lines was that we need this as an opportunity for reform. Uh, you know, reform the system rather than bring back to old formulas of giving to some and not to others. One of the biggest arguments um, that are in support of the slashing of these funds is that the funds are often used not for meaningful development or for all the reasons that you you have been stating throughout this conversation, but for patronage politics and cash handouts during elections. Um, you yourself, Bridget, um, and other experts have talked about how in rural areas, especially in, let's say, East Malaysia, but even in the peninsula during election time, sometimes it just rains cash. How do you respond to this argument? Well, so first of all, one has to make a distinction between constituency development funds and cash funds that are used for the campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, constituency development funds have a procedure that they have to be approved by local government authorities. There's an accounting mechanism. They're audited. You know, there is a, these funds are not just given to the MP to dole out and through, you know, 50 <laughs> ringgit notes. Uh, the fact is, is that there are governance procedures about how constituency funds are spent. And I think this is a myth that people don't understand. Um, now, 
this is not to downplay the critical role that cash plays through other corruption patronage politics uh, in terms of allocating to voters. Uh, uh, we can see this in particular areas. But I, I believe that these that the these direct cash handouts do not happen to the constituency fund mechanism. Now, uh, and if they do that uh, in any way, and if there are there any loopholes, then this only speaks to the need to improve auditing, accounting, and transparency in all spending that is happening, including it with it, the constituency funds at the particular local level uh, uh, in this area. I do think, however, one cannot ap- appreciate and recognize the reality is that you know MPs try to make headway from giving to certain schools, saying, "Hey, I gave you this money. I gave you this money." And I think that um, and here is this is where uh, the whole concept of these funds need to be rethought by citizens. The MP is not giving it to you. You are paying taxes to get money back. Absolutely. <laughs> right. and, and of course, now that's another question. Not everyone is paying taxes evenly. But the fact is, these are public funds that they are spending. Um, and uh, and and I do think, you know, we've seen many countries in the world um, use the issue of uh, favored spending in a particular way. Singapore did it for decades. You know, they would say, hey, we will not clean your, fix your HGB flat unless you vote for the government. And they would mm-hmm. neglect these other areas if you voted for the opposition. It became a badge of honor for places like Haugang and Singapore. I think that in the case of um, here, what we see is a situation where uh, that patronage politics colors the way people look at constituency funds. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there can't be reforms in that. And it doesn't mean that these funds are directly being used for elections. Absolutely. I think what you just clarified there is very important because when you go on the comment sections on social media and you hear some of the rumblings, I'm sure you have seen it, Bridget, people are getting, some people are celebrating the slashing of these funds because they feel, oh, that leads to less 50 ringgits being doled out during election periods and, and whatnot. So I think that that distinction, uh, you know, is very important. Um, I want to talk to you, Bridget, about the politics of these funds because historically in Malaysia, constituency development funds have been highly politicized or at least used as a political weapon by the incumbent against the opposition. But why does this happen? How does it benefit the incumbent? There is a sense that, you know, uh, politicians feel that when they're elected, that they're the ones that have uh, an entitlement, right? It's an entitlement mentality. Uh, and so therefore, they're the ones that are entitled to spend the money, entitled to have the, to distribute the money. Um, and, and so uh, those in government have used this and we've seen areas develop over long periods of time uh, where some people have been favored versus others. Right? Uh, but the other thing that happens is a much more, I think, insidious process, right, is that the system relies on the support of lower class voters, of which they use this uh, this tool of giving out funds uh, as a way to garner support. And it re- and it reinforces this p- type of dependence mentality uh, in this particular way. Uh, and, and, you know, if you have a system like that, then you don't have a move towards policies that engage in uh, larger social protections that depersonalize 
depersonalize the way that funds are distributed or depoliticize the funds, the way that funds are distributed. Um, ironically, you know, one of the things that um, that Najib Razak is known for, besides, of course, the one MDB scandal, is the bringing in funds, BRIM funds that were based on needs based funds, right? as opposed to just on uh, ethnic distribution and others. So when you depoliticize, uh, which, of course, unfortunately, BRIM still was politicized. So you need to continue the process of depoliticization. When you depoliticize the issues of funds and provide mechanisms that allow access, then this actually helps to create a much more cohesive and a much more effective governance process. Right. There is this assumption that, you know, this move could be a good thing, um, you know, if you know, the, I've seen this from, let's say, people who support Pakatan Harapan, where they say, oh, this could be a good move because it's going to squash the opposition. But you're not necessarily squashing the opposition as sort of choking the people who voted for opposition, right? You're, ultimately, the people who are going to suffer the most are just regular, right? Yeah, not, not necessarily the elite politicians representing the or, or in the opposition bench. I think if anybody is looking at that argument, then one needs to only look at one word to understand uh, what the impact of that is. Mm-hmm. Klantan. Right. <laughs> if you you starve a place, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're going to win their support. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're going to their the support for the opposition is only going to get stronger. And I think that, um, you know, the way to move the voters is to provide them deliverables of which they can see, as opposed to depriving them from deliverables, which seeds provide uh, seeds the, and strengthens the opposition as it has grievances that they can capitalize on uh, in that context. Uh, and I think this is the this is not constructive thinking uh, in that context, you know, uh, and it is a reflection of of the polarization that exists within Malaysian's politics and that you want to say, let's let's go after our enemy. Let's right. hurt them. Let's put them in jail. Let's let's take away their money. Uh, and of course, you know, these individuals who are being targeted only become stronger through these processes and, and the implications of those voters uh, that suffer as a consequence of this particular polarized dynamic. Absolutely. Bridget, do you think this Anwar-led government learned anything from the Mahathir-led government back in 2018 to 2020? I mean, Mahathir and his cabinet took a very neoliberal approach to solve issues such as debt and, and a lack of government revenue, a lack of government funds by slashing funds and subsidies, which ultimately impacted the poor, which like the fishermen and the farmers, which ultimately betrayal and, and all of this rhetoric, you know, while valid, you know, it's these, you know, sort of approaches to handling funds, slashing them is one of the reasons, you know, that brought about the downfall of the Mahade-led Pakatan Harapan government. Is the Anwar-led government heading in the right trajectory or do you see them making the same mistakes, although it's still early days? Well, we have we're on, we're at three months, mm-hmm. almost three months now. All right, in this context, mm-hmm. and um, I do think that um, you know we do have a situation in politics generally, not just here in Malaysia, right. but uh, where people repeat patterns of, of things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and people don't learn the right lessons. Um, I think uh, in this regard, 
the fact that we're having this conversation and other people are having this conversation suggests that there is uh, um, a recognition or people are putting it into the fore. Um, But where where I think the government um, has made a mistake in terms of the constituency funds is to is to cut the funds without alternatives and and do it in a particular way uh, that doesn't have alternative programs. Um, I think that uh, this will have longer term impact uh, if, if it's not addressed. But I also think that it is important for us to wait to see what's in the budget um, and that uh, and that there are other uh, areas potentially of deliverables. Uh, uh, but I think, you know, this the bigger issue of how to reform local government, how to get spending to ordinary people in local communities uh, is an extremely pressing issue of the day, especially given that they are uh, have said they're delaying local elect government elections and now they're cutting local government funds uh, in that context. And this is all happening before um, before the state elections, uh, which I think will be one of the significant tests for the government. Uh, and many of the MPs that are being affected uh, by these cuts, places like Qualis Langor, uh, uh, as an illustration, uh, places like Port Dixon. Uh, these are people not in the government, uh, MPs not in the government, right. uh, are, are areas where uh, we will see uh, competitive contests in the state seats. All right, Bridget. Um, before we wrap this conversation up, would you have some final thoughts or a final message for us with regard to constituency development funds? Um, the government is, uh, has announced that it will be slashing it by 60%. Um, where do we go from here? Well, I call it slashing and burning, and I think the burning <laughs> sentiment is there, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, Ismail Sabri strengthened his government through an MOU that strengthened constituency funds. Mm-hmm. I think there's some lessons here. You know, you don't break down before you build up and build better. Uh, this is an opportunity for reform to foster stability, not create division. Thank you so much for joining me today. Most welcome. That was Dr. Bridget Welch, Honorary Research Associate at the University of Nottingham Asia Research Institute, Malaysia. If you missed any part of our conversation, we're available on podcasts. You can find us on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You just have to look up Beyond the Ballot Box. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.